guys, welcome back to On My Way, the podcast. I'm Megan. And I'm Alexandra. And we have such a fun episode for you guys today. We have our friend from high school. His name is Noah. He goes to MIT, and we talked a lot about just life and college. And Yeah, I was trying to think of um, an overall like topic for this episode because it kind of... Whenever I knew we were having him on, I was like, okay, this could go a lot of different ways because he just has so much to say. He's very knowledgeable. Um, But I think it's very applicable to anybody because anyone who is applying to college or applying to grad school or applying to a job, which is pretty much most people um, at some point. Yeah, like at some point in your life. So there's really something for everybody in this one. And I also just want to say, like, give some credit to Noah, because he does um, go to MIT. He's obviously very smart. Um, And we were kind of talking about this earlier, how sometimes people who are very smart like that aren't smart in other ways, (laughs) Um, like emotionally or socially. But he's so well-rounded, and I think you'll be able to hear that when he talks and just by the, the wise things he has to say. Yeah, no, we had um, a list of questions that kind of drove the conversation about just working hard and applicable tips. But for the most part, it's kind of just this like 45 minute long, really interesting conversation with a really interesting person. And I can't wait for you guys to hear it. Um, is there anything exciting going on with you? Um, <laughs> not really. Okay. Um, I'm trying to think if I have any good stories. It's pretty much... Oh, I'm getting vaccinated, That's which is very exciting. Flex. I have flex. an appointment to get um, vaccine part one on Thursday, so I'm very, very, very excited. And I am getting my wisdom teeth out on uh, Wednesday. Yes. I'm so nervous. Um, I want to try to record some sort of segment when I'm super hopped up on the laughing gas. I think that'd be amazing. I'm also very afraid I'm going to cuss my father out when he picks me up <laughs> from the appointment. Because I'm going back home to get them out. So that'll be fun. Yeah, I've never been under anesthesia or anything. So I would just be concerned. I have no idea no, what I'm, happened. No, I'm very concerned. And so. my dad and I, I love him. We're pretty close. But I'm not very... I'm not super goofy around him. Right. You know? And I just don't think... <laughs> I just don't know what I'm going to say. It's been a really weird few months for me. And I feel like I'm just going to overshare my life. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll see. And hopefully you guys will get to hear some of it because yeah. that has the potential to be very entertaining. And we'll see you guys um, next Tuesday for our one year anniversary. Yeah, it's our one year. So we don't know exactly what we're going to do, but we're going to celebrate. Um, and a lot of you have either been following us from the beginning and we've also, I don't know if you've noticed on Anchor, but um, on Anchor FM, you'll hear the ad later. Um, our favorite RSS feed. <laughs> our favorite RSS feed in the whole world. Um, it, we can see, so we can see a graph of listeners from literally, like, when we started to now, mm-hmm. and it obviously has fluctuated a lot, like, episode to episode, but, like, the trend is upward and linear. Thank God. And it's so <laughs> cool to see just because, like, if you were to plot points like it would really go up the trend line and is upward. the trend line that is would upwards. be so bad if it was not if it was like that downwards. would be disappointing but you know honestly I'm feeling pretty good about where we're at because we started and we'll save a lot of this for next week but we we did start this about 
two weeks before um, the world shut down. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of difficult. And I know, um, at least when I was listening to other podcasts throughout quarantine, they were talking about how listenership was kind of difficult and going down during that time. Yeah. I so. have I have so many sappy things to say, but we'll save them for yeah, next week. Yeah, we'll save it. Um, for now, enjoy the episode and yeah. Yeah, let's get into it. All right, guys, and we're here with Noah. Yeah, guys, so we're here with Noah Lee. He is a senior at MIT, yes, the Massachusetts Institute of Technology. He's studying computer science and neuroscience. Um, at the same time? Yeah, at the same time. <laughs> um, he's currently participating in an internship as a product manager in the data science division at Wayfair, which is ironically the second time Wayfair has come up on this podcast. Oh, yeah. I saw that you guys did that thing about it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll talk more on that in a second. We will. Um, and he's currently calling from his apartment in Cambridge, Massachusetts, where he is also doing online school. Um, and he's an old high school friend of Megan and I. Noah and I used to be in band together, actually. So welcome to the podcast, Noah. Welcome, Noah. We're so excited to have you. I feel like he's like our our resident smart person. Resident smart person. Oh, no. (laughs) So before we even get started, can we talk about probably the elephant in the room? Um, Wayfair. You, Wayfair. What do you have to say about the studio? (laughs) That's the elephant in the room? Um, <laughs> he's like, of like, all of the things you could talk about, you're gonna ask me about Wayfair.com. No problem, I can speak to that. Well, first of all, thank you guys for having me. This is very, yeah, I'm very excited. Um, I hope I have something valuable to contribute to this wonderful thing the two of you are doing. Um, yeah, I'm happy to be here. Um, I haven't listened to any yet because I don't listen to podcasts. Well, but, that's gonna change. But maybe that'll change. Yeah. I actually no. This is a this is a problem I have. I don't listen to like music or podcasts. Like I, I that haven't. A pro- that's a big problem. Yeah. What? what so I either you... I either watch TV or I just do like if I'm doing work or something, I'll have TV playing in the background. I but for see. some reason, for like the past, I don't know, since summer, um, I just have stopped listening to music or or podcasts or, or anything on Spotify, right? But I, I read all of your Instagram updates uh, for the podcast, so I know what you talk about, but so, not the actual content. Gotcha. If you're walking around, so you're in the car, what do you listen to in the car? Oh, I haven't been in the car in a while. Because I'm in a city, so like we walk everywhere. Oh, okay, so, when, so when, walking, when I'm walking So when you're walking to Trader yeah. Joe's. Oh, walking to Trader Joe's. When I walk into Trader Joe's, I'm usually, I don't have anything in. Cause Experiencing Earth. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't do that. I don't yeah. listen to stuff on the street either, but that's because yeah. I'm afraid someone's going to get me. In terms of Wayfair, um, when I was preparing for the interview, for the internship, I looked up on YouTube like different videos about Wayfair because um, their company has changed a lot in the past year or so because of mm-hmm. the pandemic. I think the trend is that because a lot of people are spending time at home, they've been buying like a lot of home improvement stuff and furniture, which is what their company centers around. So the company grew a lot. Because of that, I assumed that on YouTube I could find some helpful like market analysis <laughs> or things like that. And I found sure, one yeah. video. So I watched that one and it was the top of the recommended. And then when I looked down, everything else was about like Wayfair trafficking children and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> it's very confused. Yeah. Um, but I believe and so far in my work, I haven't noticed anything suspicious that would lead me to think otherwise. I believe that that was okay. just a conspiracy theory. 
that has to do with the fact that like a lot of their packages are in are in very large sizes and so mm-hmm. people thought that you know you could fit children in there so, so is I, this what wayfair has trained you to say through your internship <laughs> with them <laughs> they did have a lot of onboarding for us yeah they are rather i bet i but, bet they did but um <laughs> First things first, hello, we are Wayfair, so excited to have you. We do not traffic children when you are asked about this. Here's your script, memorize it, repeat it back to me. But no, I think that myth was debunked. I don't know, yeah, Kate Kennedy so did too. some big thing about how she's like, no, it's literally an algorithm. There's, yeah, you, you don't sell kids online like this on Safari or Internet Explorer. Right. Um, but yeah, thank you for um, humoring us with that one. Let's talk about the fact that you go to MIT, because I know we want to talk a lot about career education that stuff along this how did you um how did you manage that yeah how did oh, you like, how did you get into MIT do you think <laughs> yeah I mean I think yeah it's been a while now since I, now that I'm looking back at it um and I think time has passed very quickly but I think well there was a lot of luck involved is, is the biggest thing and then I definitely had a lot of supportive teachers um at the high school that we all went to together a lot of the teachers in my classes, junior year, senior year, definitely very much supported me, um, particularly just encouraging me to, like, never kind of discouraging me from trying anything, um, like, especially with, with math or science, which is kind of the specialty for a lot of kids that want to apply to MIT. Um, you know, like, Miss Greeble, Mr. Brenneman, a lot of those teachers, they definitely encouraged me, not only by challenging me, like, day to day, but when I asked them for support, um, like to send to write me a recommendation or something, they always um, never took the yeah they, they they always took the extra time to to make sure that was possible for me and I think mentally that was a really big um, uh, big advantage I had just feeling that um, the academic environment around me they they felt that I could succeed I mean succeed in the sense that like I was a competitive applicant for MIT and I think that gave me a lot of strength. Um, and also, I would say majorly was my family or my, my mom in particular. Um, I think the emphasis from the beginning really was that getting into MIT or, or not just MIT or, or, you know, working hard in high school and getting into one of these good universities uh, would definitely um, really open up my life and open up a lot of opportunities for me that um, not a lot of other people get to have. And so... The kind of the the emphasis was on just trying to create, do whatever I could to have those opportunities later in my life. And I think for my mom, it was mainly tied around just if I could get into one of these better schools, it opened up a lot of ways for me to be happy in the sense that I maybe I wouldn't have to work a nine to five job in an industry I really didn't like, or I didn't always have to be, be always thinking about money um, as a top priority in my life. Um, and so you know, then I could explore different things that actually genuinely made me happy as opposed to feeling like every day I was just trying to make ends meet. Um, And so, yeah, I I think those two things, my teachers and my mom were definitely huge supports. I mean, for materially speaking, there were a lot of times when my mom, the biggest example is she would just drive me to things or or, or bring (laughs) me to things because I couldn't drive yet. Um, And just, yeah, whether it was like music or another extracurricular, um, anything like that. She uh, never failed to give her 100% at being a mom, which I which I very much thank her for. Um, yeah, I mean, I think I don't have to go too much into detail about like the particulars, but I focused on school, um, but I also tried to kind of 
do a few different activities and put in a lot of time to those so that I could kind of display that um, I was able to do more than just school. And I think, yeah, aside from those helping me get into college, I think particularly with like speech and debate and things like that, those activities really influenced my, my career plans afterwards. But yeah, I guess I was more of a, you know, a lot of other MIT kids, I realized after getting in, their approach to getting in is like winning an Olympiad, which is like a chemistry Olympiad or a math Olympiad, either yeah. at the US or the international level. <laughs> I never. I mean, I guess I that's a good idea. Like, yeah. yeah, sure, sure. Yeah, I think. I thought not my cup of tea, but right. yeah. I mean, like, I thought about doing own. that, but it didn't really fit into well, my schedule. Well, I couldn't decide between math or science, right. so I was like, fuck. I'll it's just, like, I which letter in STEM are you going to choose? It's, yeah. it's a lot of pressure. I was like, um, T-E. Which, okay, <laughs> I'm going <laughs> to. <laughs> Quick question. All right, you talked in the beginning about, I actually have, like, six tangents that I want to take you down. Same. <laughs> <laughs> like bullet pointing the tangent. You were like in the beginning. You were like, "Well, it was a lot of luck." So let's talk about the numbers game with college applicants. I know that the highest schoolers listening to this are either about to be in their senior year where they're applying and hearing back, or they're in the midst of applying. Can you talk me through the schools that you applied to, the ones that you got rejected from, and then what you would get? I got I got rejected from humble. Yeah, I got rejected from humble. And the ones that accepted you. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the numbers are definitely, I, I say it was a lot of luck because there's so many, like, very well-qualified people every year um, that really sacrifice a lot in high school and do a lot to get into one of these schools. And, yeah, like I said, and like like you, the two of you mentioned, there's a limited number of spots. Um, yeah, I, I applied to, I applied to, I think, all the Ivy League schools and then MIT and Stanford, um, and then... Maybe I think like Johns Hopkins or Northwestern or one of those. It was about a mm-hmm. list of eleven or twelve schools, um, and the, the 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 logic behind choosing those schools was just at that time. And this is something I regret, um, but I also yeah, just time makes you more mature. I'm definitely a more mature person now than I was back I then. I hope so. <laughs> yeah. Four years. Um, I hope so too. I hope so too. Maybe I'm wrong, but uh, looking back, I wish I put more thought into specifically why I wanted to go to a certain school and like what about that school whether it was a specific club they had or a specific program or even a part of the community that like I really valued and could see myself taking advantage of and I think I kind of missed out on doing that um, just because at that point my thinking was literally as simple as if it's like you know an Ivy League school or if it's high on the list then I'll apply and see what happens Mm -hmm. and I think yeah, so maybe that's like a point of advice that people listening could could think about is just I I've in the past year or so I've helped other family friends or, or people that have reached out to me with their college applications or like with MIT applications and I'm always surprised because all of them have very very specific reasons about like a specific department or program or professor even that they want to interact with or meet at these schools mm-hmm. um, and it always makes me think about how I had no like. I had no thinking re- with regards to that whatsoever. But I think that really does make a difference and that does help you stand out. It doesn't even have to be at like at, at MIT at, or whatever school you go to if, you know, you're open with them and seemingly passionate about taking advantage of some part of their community. I'm sure that will make your application stand out to them. Um, to touch back on your point what you initially asked me, I got rejected <laughs> I from that one. <laughs> Yeah, I got rejected from 
uh, I got into the University of Pennsylvania, or, or I got into Penn. And... Oh my god, you've been in Philly the whole time? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I got into Penn <laughs> and MIT, and then I was rejected from, I think, all the other... Oh, maybe I got into Cornell. I think I got into Cornell, Penn... I didn't mean for that to come off that way. I was, it's just been a long time. Yeah, no, yeah. I, yeah, I got to MIT, Penn, and Cornell, and then was rejected from all the others, or like placed on a wait list and then rejected afterwards. And mm -hmm. then I think I was also rejected from Johns Hopkins, Northwestern, um, Georgia Tech. I don't, I don't know, but I was a little shocked when I got rejected from those as well. But I'm not sure what happened. But yeah, no, and that's like that's why I wanted to ask you that because. Obviously, you say MIT, and people are like, oh, my gosh. But then you have to remember, it's, like, a numbers game, and it wasn't, like, I don't know. I obvi I didn't apply to any Ivies, but I was always thinking that, like, it's how do you decide when you're at, like, that top percent? How do you pick the ones? Like, I feel like it, a lot of it comes down to luck of, like, whether – so, like, these schools that you were, like, oh, I'm, like, shocked that I, like, got rejected from. You were probably, like, perfectly qualified, but it just came down to, like, A or B almost – I don't know. That's I don't know if I'm making any sense there, but it just when you have like so many qualified people going for so little spots, like how do you decide? I think that is what happened. Um, I mean, there are some cases. I know, I've met some people here who, like I mentioned before, they did like an Olympiad or something. And I think MIT openly says on their website, like particularly because it's an engineering school, that if you perform well at an Olympiad, which is very very difficult. Um, if you perform well, like you, you place in the top five or whatever in either our country or like the world, then you're basically going to get in is, is MIT stance. And I think, so I met some kids here that were like, oh yeah, I got into every school I applied to, like including MIT. Um, and then that, but they knew that was going to happen. Uh, one of my good friends, he won this international science fair um, for high schoolers. It's called ISEF. Um, it's it's like sponsored by Intel or something, but it's it's like a well recognized science fair. I I didn't know it existed, but it's where high schoolers do like academic research and then present on their projects. And he did some project with like computational biology or something like that, and he won it as a freshman, uh, which is really really extremely rare. And he was like on like local TV and stuff like that. It's like still on YouTube, so we we pull it up sometimes to, like embarrass him, um, <laughs> but. He won that as a freshman, and then basically, in his own words, he didn't have to do anything after that happened. Yeah, he was probably like, I'll take my high school diploma now, and then I'll just, like, jet yeah. out to MIT because... Yeah, and then, it, yeah, exactly. I think that was pretty much his thinking. And in his case, he had, like, um, the winner's choice between any school he wanted to apply to. And, and I think every school he applied to, he got into. Wow. I can't... That just completely negates my last point of saying how... Even when you're at the very top, you still get rejected. I mean, to be fair, I got into every school I applied to. Um, I applied to two schools. <laughs> I know I only applied to SAT. I did not reach for the stars. All I my schools for... were safety schools. <laughs> I literally was like, okay, Pitt, Temple, Financial Aid, Temple, here I come. Pitt, Temple, and FAFSA. <laughs> Pitt, Temple, and FAFSA. Pitt, Temple, FAFSA, and begging my parents. <laughs> um... I think we kind of touched on this already, but um, would you say you have any regrets regarding your application or your decision to go to MIT? And I'm just curious if you have any safety schools. Yeah, I, I think 
Um, I don't think I had a particular safety school. Like my the my hope was just that I would get into one of the ones that that were generally within that tier. I knew I, that I would be like we talked about before that it was a numbers game. I knew that I was competitive for all of them, and that you know the hope was that I would get into one. Um, so I would say just the just applying to like ten ten or so and hoping I would get into one was my thinking of safety. Um, but I, I guess you know I yeah that would that would be my answer in terms of if I okay. had a safe, specific safety school, um, and uh, I think I don't regret I definitely don't regret choosing to go to MIT. Um, I think yeah, I think it's a especially in the past few years, before, like when I was choosing to go to MIT or even applying to MIT, it wasn't really kind of. Uh, famous or like th there wasn't like a lot of news surrounding MIT and I, I feel like at least from my vantage point in the past few years I guess because technology has become a lot more important with like artificial intelligence and stuff like that just the amount of MIT research that's gone publicity seems to have kind of gone up um, and I guess the attitudes a little bit changed so that's like nice to see but I think the MIT the type of people that are at MIT and like the opportunities that I've gotten I definitely don't regret taking that on um, but I think, um, it all comes down to what do you make of it? Like you go to any school, um, and, the, and it's up to you whether or not to take advantage of the opportunities and make, you know, a good, you know, make good of those opportunities. I know some friends who didn't get into a lot of the schools that they hoped to get into. One of my good friends, he like wanted to get into Harvard and a lot of the other top IVs, but he almost had to, yeah, he got off of gone into Brown off the wait list. But yeah, now he's like starting medical school um, at another different Ivy League school and he's done, he's like already published academically and stuff. And at wow. the time he was very disappointed, but in his oh. case, he definitely really made the most of his opportunities. I think for him, he was hoping he would get into, I guess, you know, a, a different school, maybe on one, like in a, in a bigger city. Um, mm -hmm. So like Brown was kind of a disappointment for, for him personally. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, and, but I think with regards to my application, I already talked about it a little bit, but I would say additionally that when I, my attitude when applying was that once I got into the school, like like my life would just pause and then like everything was done. Like just getting into MIT was like right. a ticket and then I could just, I don't know what, what I expected to happen once I, once I showed up there. I guess I expected time to stop or something, but it definitely yeah. didn't. Um, and like I said before, it came, it came down to how much like each individual makes of it. And I think that's something I should have emphasized more or talked about more in my, in my application, like to the school, probably in my essay specifically, um, talk, I should have talked about how I plan to use MIT specifically to help me achieve my goals in the future. Um, and I guess what that means in more plain terms is I think I focused too much on what I had already done. And what that made me as a person, I didn't focus enough on like my ambitions and what I hope to do in the future. And I think from the perspective of, of a lot of colleges, like they want to have really famous alumni that boosts the reputation of the school. And so I think they're really looking for people that are, are very ambitious and that are already looking to succeed um, as, as high schoolers or as freshmen. Um, 
So I, I wish that was something I put more thought into. And again, this is difficult because I'm looking back as a 21-year-old on my 17, 18-year-old mindset. But even just to start planting those ideas in my head, like, oh, you know, once I get to MIT, I want to meet, like, take these kinds of classes and get this, you know, or like start doing this kind of research or, or, or meet these kinds of people and take my life in this direction. And just to address that in my essays, I think would have made a pretty big difference um, instead of just focusing on, on, on what I had already done. Um, and one, sorry, one last thing. I don't, want, I don't want to drone on too much, but I think one last thing was in some sense, I wrote too much. I, it's not, I thought a little bit too much about what they, what I thought the school might want to hear mm-hmm. instead of just saying, this is who I am. And again, this is really, really hard because I didn't, still don't really completely know what I what I want to do or, or who I am as a person. But if we, I we preach that you don't need to know that. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I think if I had at least maybe demonstrated that I was thinking about that and thinking about you know this is the kind of person I um, I am and this is what I'm passionate about. Kind of ask myself that question, like what am I passionate about? What am I interested in? Um, and bake that into my essay. I think maybe that could have, you know, been something that I, I, I wish I would have done. Yeah. So obviously, like what you're saying is really good advice for advice for someone who's in the application um, part of their life. But I know a lot of people are out. So what are you going to do with this bits of information? Obviously, you can't go back in time and change it. So how are you going to apply it to your life moving forward? Yeah, I mean, I think those all those questions are, are like like I just mentioned, like we just talked about, are very, very relevant still to my life. Um, and like I said, the, my thought that once I got into MIT, like my life would be set, I think was very, very wrong. And, you know, MIT was just one decision point or my, my decision of where I should go to college was just one decision point along many more decision points that will come. And so I think those questions about, you know, what am I passionate about? What am I interested in? Like, what am I going to, how am I going to use what I have right now? to 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 ultimately reach my goals i think that's that's you know that should hopefully guide me in every decision i make um whether it's what classes i'm gonna take um you know whether like where i choose to study abroad or you know what kind of job i want to do over the summer well maybe even what kind of friends i want to meet i think that guides me pretty heavily in all of those things yeah so then if you have this like set idea of you know do you how far do you plan out your life like do you have like a 10-year plan it doesn't have to be a specific concrete one. Concrete, that's definitely not a word. <laughs> but because um, if you have this idea of who you want to be and what your goals are down the line, but your goals change, and then so you're taking all these classes, like we were talking about this earlier, I don't know if it was with you or, or with another one of our roommates about how in high school I took a bunch of science classes just assuming that because I was like a relatively bright young person. I was like, okay, I'll just be a doctor. And I'm like, could not be in the medical field. I get squeamish with blood and how like all these classes I took in high school is leading up to this point of like, oh yeah, I'll just go pre-med and then obviously changing my mind. And then it's almost like a waste of obviously very different when you're, you know, 15 years old taking AP whatever. But yeah. How do what do you think about that? Yeah. No, I think it's, that's definitely always a fear that yeah, I mean, I think this is something I encountered. I think it's very relevant. I think it's something I encountered. Yeah, I think everybody encounters the fact that if you choose to go one direction, all of your other opportunities kind of close. And I think that's one thing that really 
probably yeah scared me a lot once I first got to MIT. Um, I just saw so many people doing really cool things that I could see myself being interested in in, in doing um, because I saw how meaningful it was. I saw how interesting it seemed to be. And so I, I, I kind of was stuck where I like didn't know which one of those opportunities or like it came even came down to like choosing my major. Like I just didn't know what to choose because if I chose that one, then the opportunity to explore other ones kind of disappeared. And that was very scary for me. And to talk about, yeah, I think, I guess in terms of, like you said, committing some amount of time in your life because you feel like you're pursuing one goal and then your goal changing midway. I guess, I mean, that's definitely happens to a lot of people before as it has happened to me. And I think, well, the way I think about it and well, the way I have thought about it when it's happened to me in the past is like I needed to go through that amount of time in order to realize that that wasn't actually the goal I wanted to achieve uh, or, or what I was actually interested in. And I think, yeah, I think there's nothing else you can do because you already spent the time. And, and if you know that you need to make that change or if you suddenly, if it suddenly dawns on you that this isn't what you want to be doing or what you want to be heading towards doing, then like you just have to act at that point in time, I think. Um, yeah, yeah. I feel like that's a really important mindset to keep in mind at this age if you have something that's like been a part of your life for like even like two years feels like a lot of time when you're this age. Um, and then you think, oh, but I've already spent, you know, seven years studying this or three years with this person or something like that. And it's like, oh, that's like a huge chunk of my life. But then it's like, okay, well, you have what 70 more years to go so make the change now and I like totally understand and agree with what you're saying about like seeing things the whole way through like how would you know that you weren't supposed to be in this major or something like that if you didn't go all in at one point and see that it was wrong yeah I just want to reiterate too the um I really liked how you said about how in your applications you focus so much on what you had accomplished and not what this particular yeah. school had to offer because I did that same thing. I was just like, what can I say to get them to accept me? And sort of playing it as a game almost. And I catch myself doing that with job applications. But I, um, and you were saying like how you can apply that to your life after. Um, so if you're listening and you haven't applied to college, do that. Look up like your dream school, look it up. And cause I remember getting to school and then <laughs> the friends I would make in my classes would be like, oh my gosh, like, yeah, the program for this is so good. Or like, oh yeah, our professor has like a postdoc from Harvard and this. And I was like, ah, cool. cool. Like, I didn't know any of that. And so now when I'm each and every job I apply for, like an internship that I apply for and I really want to get, I'll like look into it and see, okay, what are they about? Like, what are they looking for? And I'll still be true to myself, but also be like, oh, this particular element really interests me because A, B, and C. You want it to be, like, a, a right fit, like, both ways. Right. How if a college doesn't accept you, it's like, okay, well, you don't want them either. Yeah, I think that's really good advice. That's, I'm too petty. Like, I, I'm not applying to grad school, but I feel like I'm too petty where if I applied to a school and they put me on a wait list, I would, like, be like, no, I'm done. I'm not your second choice. You either choose me or lose me. <laughs> choose me or lose me. <laughs> 
It's like a, a 2007 Pinterest quote. I'm not your second choice. You either choose me or lose me. Meanwhile, John Hopkins Business School is like, we don't want you that bad anyway. That's why we put you on a wait list. You are one of many. Hum- oh, be yeah. humble. Stay okay. Home. Let's Moving move on. on. Okay. High school. Guys, just I'll paint you a picture. I thought our high school was huge because it has like 3,000 people. We have 10, over 10 times that at Temple. Overall, high school is a little pond, and you're a, you're a big fish in a little pond. And then you went to MIT, which is this big, diverse, competitive, urban school. Can you talk us about the transition period and just how you've changed throughout? Yeah, I, I definitely changed a lot. I think that's a – I think – I didn't really, I, I, yeah, I didn't know what to expect is, is just a plain answer. I had no idea what it was going to be like. Um, I knew someone older than me that uh, was going to MIT at the time, um, like the summer before I went, I moved into school, you know, you kind of do some like introductory stuff, like picking your dorm and stuff. And I, yeah, all that stuff kind of scared me. I think I was a little bit, yeah, I was definitely a little scared to move into a city and a place where I, I didn't know anybody, especially because no one else from our school was, was or I mean, y'all was to Boston College, but no one else from our school was at MIT. Yeah, um, I think I think the fact that, I think the fact that no, I didn't really know anybody else, um, especially someone that I was close to going to the school was also something that was tough. But yeah, all in all, I was, I was very worried. And then I think um, getting there at first, yeah, I just kind of did what everyone else was doing because I met people that were also freshmen and signed up for the same classes uh, and things like that. But uh, my parents had never gone to – I mean, they went to college, but they went to college back in Korea, which is where I'm from. Um, and so – and they also didn't study engineering, which I don't think is a, a, a big difference. But they kind of didn't have anything to tell me in terms of, like, this is, like, the things you're kind of going to expect. Like, this is how it's going to be. Like, you know, you have semester – just – I, I didn't really yeah. I think I also didn't really know what what questions to ask either like I knew there was going to be class and office hours but the kind of the magnitude of like having to live by myself you know and like sign up for jobs and and meet professors and and and, and do all that was something I probably wasn't really thinking about on one sense but yeah I think it was definitely not the easiest transition uh, and this is true for a lot of MIT people because um I definitely worked. I, yeah, I definitely would say that I was on the more hardworking side in high school. I, I think there were a lot of people that worked really hard and that were really motivated, um, and I was definitely in that or in that realm uh, in terms of towards my academics and, and everything else. Um, and so I think getting to a school where everyone else is like that, but then seeing that just some people there are just like beyond comprehension how much more efficient uh, how much more of a workaholic or a genius than than i was i don't i definitely don't consider myself a genius or anything like that yeah 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 so i think a lot of the times i think about it just like if i have one hour of free time and all the other mit students have one hour time there are some people that can just get there are some people that can just get so much more done like if i do one homework problem in that hour they can do two or three um and that was just kind of crazy for me at first to acknowledge and to see. Um, I, there was never a case in high school where I would flip open a test after having prepared for it. And just the expectation going in is, I don't know, you know, half the problems. 
but that's happened to me to me like countless times now at this point at school um and then it's like you look around and there are people already handing tests in and i had never been on that side um and uh, you know before mit and i'm definitely on that side a lot now even with yeah. yeah not even with like advanced subjects either like i remember with like introductory physics which all mit students have to take so like freshman fall um i like barely passed that class um the the fall semester for all freshmen at mit um there's no letter grades it's just you either pass the class or if you fail it it doesn't go on your record and you have to retake it again so a lot of freshmen okay. yeah it's supposed to be like a gentle introduction i think to classes and then it also allows you to like get involved in clubs and stuff like that um, right. because you have more time yeah even in that case like there were just kids who would be done like an hour in um and, and i would <laughs> not be done an hour in so i think that was kind of a rude awakening for me um just to realize that as high achieving as i thought i was to deserve to get into mit there were kids that were double triple that um um yeah yeah i think that was a hard adjustment and yeah i ended up failing a class my freshman fall that was partially also because i just didn't have a great work ethic um i think i just didn't show up to lecture for like over a month um um okay it, 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 yeah <laughs> my sympathy yeah. has left the chat yeah yeah there should be no sympathy there should be no sympathy um but it was like yeah it's like a fun moment i think looking back now um yeah I just, I was, I was very surprised and uh, yeah, it was a good awakening. I, I should have realized that I need to take it seri more seriously. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, well that kind of goes into like what we were going to talk about next, which is that we want the inside scoop about what really goes on there and how hard is it really and like what's the yeah, about yeah, it. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I guess, I mean, I think it's all, it's all connected. I mean, I think college is hard for, for everybody. Um, so like MIT is hard, um, just as I think every college experience is for other people just from a personal level, because yeah, it's like a transition period where you're going from being like a kid or a student to like an adult. And so, yeah, it's like hard to know what mindset you're supposed to be in sometimes. Like the expectations are that you're supposed to, you know, be independent and like self-functioning and find a job and all these kind of adult expectations but at the same time you're still very much kind of a teenager and adolescent and so i think that just that transition is is hard regardless what school you go to um i think mit has a reputation for being difficult just because it's an engineering school and i think the difficulty isn't the fact that it's mit i think like the courses and the material and the tests would be just as difficult um, at Penn State Engineering or like uh, Pitt Engineering or any any engineering department in the world. Um, I think the difficulty comes from the fact that you're surrounded by so many people. So yeah, so the difficulty is that you can get so much more complex in your education at MIT. Um, like the, the, the basic engineering classes, you could get through MIT there's a route of getting through MIT very easily. Just taking four classes every semester, you know, kind of, there's always cheat classes that are like easy A's. And you can take those and you can graduate oh, nice. and then go on to a great job. And That's I, an I love those. Easy A class. Uh, easy A class. Um, there's a lot of classes that are like, you know, some kind of like economics class, like financial economics. Like it, it, set, it satisfies a lot of oh, the business classes. 
Uh, yeah, sometimes, sometimes. But even <laughs> <laughs> no, but hey. even within like hey. computer science, hey. um, there's you stuff. Yeah, but even within like even within the computer science department, there are some classes that everyone just knows is easy, and you can like kind of take those. Word yeah, or like seminar classes, <laughs> or. No, I'm, I can't think of a good example. Why you have to learn not computer science? Shut the hell up! Okay, Microsoft Excel. Yeah. Three of Collins. I'm cracking myself up. You're cracking me up over here. Anyways, um, still chill. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. So, I think that's an option. Think that out. Yeah, but there's, there's, you know, you can. There are some people who don't choose that route, and so many other people that. Choose to take like graduate level classes, like classes that PhDs are taking as sophomores or juniors, or people that have so many requirements or can test out of classes because they already know the material, so they're done with their undergrad degree in like two years. And so I think oh, nice. being surrounded by those kinds of people is what makes it so difficult because you kind of feel a pressure to take on more than you necessarily can. And it kind of becomes a competition of like I'm like suffering this much, or like I'm overextending myself this much, or like I'm getting, you know. Yeah, my initial yeah. thought whenever I think about the Ivy Leagues or schools of that nature, I just think the competition would be so cutthroat. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think there is definitely a collaborative nature to it, but the the competition in terms of feeling pressure, like looking around, and it doesn't even have to be classes. It could be like. You know, someone gets like a really great internship, or someone gets published in a research paper, or something like that. All of those things kind of make you question, like, why didn't I get to do that, or why didn't I have an opportunity yeah. to do that? Why didn't I put myself in a place to do that? I think that part's hard. Yeah, I just think seeing so many people around you that are even just more talented than you are, and having to grapple with that is a difficulty. I don't think the the classes or the actual environment, the classes or the coursework. Or the tests are any more difficult than other schools. Well, I have to ask. So I feel like there's a stereotype almost with Ivy Leagues or really difficult schools that the students themselves have this decline, decline. Yeah, decline. Get out of here. We're recording. Um, have this like almost hubris to them. But then what you're talking about, it's almost like being in this pool has humbled you. So. We can, like, don't worry about coming off a certain way, but do you feel like you're better than everybody, or do you feel like, like, when you, do you, okay, do you know how to phrase what I'm saying? I don't know if I'm making any sense. I guess, like, has your confidence gone up since coming to MIT, or have you been, like, humble? Like, are you going to look at, like, if you're applying to the same job as someone from, you know, Penn State Engineering, and then they get, the Penn State Engineering kid gets the job over you, is your initial gut reaction like, like no, I went to MIT, though. Oh, uh, no, I don't think so. I think, um... Like, a little, maybe? Um, I, I no, I don't really think so, because I think I've realized, like... Let's see the dark side, it's been so political, <laughs> so been politically correct, let's see... <laughs> No, I've I mean, definitely I get been... that, like, what, you're paying more, it's a world-renowned, like, known school. Yeah, if I and, like, to... John from Kappa Kappa Sigma gets the job. You're like, and John, John, I know what you did every weekend. <laughs> you were a bar stool. That's I've been published at MIT don't on know Harvard Engineering Journal. I'm sure they Is do. Is Harvard Engineering Journal a thing? I don't know. 
I could see, I could see why that might, I mean, I think at this Do point, I've realized that, school with have that thought. I think at this point, most people have realized that like, if it's engineering, I think also because I've talked to people studying engineering at other schools and talked to them about how difficult it's been for them. I think I've kind of realized like, ultimately it comes down to like, you're, if you're taking hard classes, wherever school that might be, that it's, it's going to be difficult. And I would hope that whatever job picks the person most qualified. I think in terms of being like humbled or, or like more or less confident, I think I definitely, yeah, it's definitely a very different environment that has humbled me. I think in terms of like a, a up or down of confidence, I do think it's a little more complicated that, than that because like going to that kind of school where even in high school, I wasn't a very engineering focused person. I didn't really think I was gonna go to MIT. Like my favorite class in high school um, this is kind of boring, but my favorite class was like government because I just found it really interesting to learn about mm -hmm. like, yeah, I really liked how it tied into current events and what was going on with our country at that time. Um, yeah, and I liked how it could, there was so many powerful people that were influencing different things. So like my favorite class wasn't like bio or I didn't even take computer science, AP computer science in high school. I just, it never interested me. And so coming to a school like MIT, I had to I had to put some thought into these people all have an advantage to me in terms of like their math background and their science background and they're just quicker at solving these problems than I am then like what's like what can I do better than them like what can I offer that's different than them and how can I get better at those things and so I just tried to think about that um, for more and try to improve my skills whatever I thought that might be that could help me yeah, that could help me in that respect. Um, cause yeah. I, yeah, yeah. I feel like I get what you're saying, because I, I would say I was definitely humbled when I came to college. I think a lot of people uh, feel that way, just because you're surrounded by more people. But at the same time, I'm also a lot more confident now. So it kind of goes back and forth. Yeah, no, I think, I think, that's, I think that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Perfect. So you talked a little bit about your major and changing your plans. Um, what are your plans for post-grad since you're graduating soon? And then how have they changed since freshman year? Yeah, I mean, I think freshman year, like I said, I think the general theme is I just didn't really know. Um, but I figured freshman after freshman year, I initially I was really just interested in, in finding a job um, wherever that was. I was interested in business, so finding a job in like business consulting or something like that, and then just figuring it out afterwards. Um, now I think, um, at least immediately after graduation, I'm staying at MIT. They have like an internal admission program where they allow you to just continue research you're doing as an undergrad, and then you just have to write a quick thesis about it. Um, and then that can, and then they'll give you a master's degree for doing that. And then you have to take some extra classes so I'll be doing that in the, in the next two academic terms. Um, after that, I'm still not entirely sure. Uh, I'm hoping that the internship I'm doing right now could become a full-time opportunity. Um, but I'm definitely, I want to stay like in technology, uh, working at a technology-related company, um, and doing something related to engineering. But like I've talked about before, I kind of realized that I can't be a pure engineer because I'm just not competitive enough, and I'm just not quick at, you know, doing certain things um, as, as my other classmates are. 
Um, and so it's a little bit tougher for me. I'm just looking for opportunities where I can kind of do business and uh, business related things, like more management related things, more people related things on a day to day, as well as combining some engineering stuff. So like the position I have right now is kind of managing a team of different data science engineers. And this data science team kind of works with a lot of other teams within the Wayfair company, um, like marketing, uh, like marketing or sales and things like that. And so there's a lot of communication, a lot of different projects that are requested. I'm kind of in charge of like mapping out how long those projects will take um, and declining or prioritizing, you know, big and small projects is the is the essence of it. But it's kind of sits in between business um, and engineering, which I think is something I would like to continue doing. Um, but I think for a lot of people, yeah, it's been really fi- t- tough to find jobs during this time because not a lot of companies are hiring. So I know my friend, he went from thinking about like graduating this year to he took on another major and now he's graduating at the end of next year. Um, a lot of people are, <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I'm not quite sure. Um, yeah, other people are like applying to graduate schools and things like that. Um, and some people are just taking time off of school um, to work like different internships, which I think is good. Yeah. Um, I think one experience that was pretty, that kind of shaped this change for me, like changing my major and things like that was I went to Africa <laughs> my my sophomore year. Um, I, we have like a January term where school hasn't started, but we can still kind of do, take like a short class for a month or something like that. So I went to Africa for six weeks um, because there was an MIT alum there that was working for like a startup that or was the CEO of this startup. Um, and I just went there alone and worked for the startup for six six weeks um, and like slept on their couch. But um, yeah, I think it was, that really changed my perspective on things because it kind of showed me that there's so many opportunities out there for me to do meaningful things with my degree. Um, I, I guess I kind of felt a bigger responsibility to think about how I could improve the world instead of just like finding a good job and then thinking about the rest later. Um, yeah, and so because I spent a lot of time there, like meeting different people that were working there, and I just got this sense that there wasn't that much hope, like for those people, like in Ghana where I was, um, mm-hmm. like their their idea of like life was just. I met a lot of people that were like working as like street vendors and stuff because the company I was the startup I was working for was like building relationships between small medium sized businesses and the banks in the country. Because banks, they don't have a system of like, lending money to these small businesses. And without like money, these businesses can't grow. Like they can't buy another stall or hire more employees or like sell more products. So yeah, the business I was working for, I ended up doing a lot of like meeting those different entrepreneurs. And yeah, they just all kind of didn't seem like they had a direction to where they were going. They just wanted to sell enough stuff or make enough profit to buy enough food for like the next month. Um, and I could see how this startup was doing something to really change that culture and how that could be really transformative for all of these different, all like the entire economy basically, and all the people that were living in Ghana. Um, it could give them a lot of, I think this is something that like in America is really common where you can move upwards, like upward mobility um, by just working hard and taking on new opportunities. I saw how this startup like was kind of creating that environment out of nowhere 
And I thought that that was really, really cool and really inspiring. Um, and so, yeah, I want to keep, I want to stay involved with entrepreneurship, hopefully, um, and continue on with that. And I think that experience made me realize that what I was studying just wasn't that interesting to me and that I wanted to study something different that was more applicable. So I used to study mechanical engineering and realized that that was kind of, there wasn't really anything new going on in mechanical engineering because like it's been around for a while. And so I realized that there's a lot more research going on in like machine learning, or like artificial intelligence, trying to compare how the human brain works with like computer systems. And so I switched to that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, a lot going on there. Yeah, a lot going on there. <laughs> a lot going on at the moment. Anyway. <laughs> um, so I, I know you mentioned, you've kind of mentioned this along the way and you mentioned this to us before, but obviously, um, COVID has had an impact on everybody's plans and everybody's college experience. So you already kind of talked about it, but is there anything you wanted to add regarding like the pandemic yeah. and how that's changed? No, yeah, I think it's, I definitely have some things to add. It's just, it's, it's tough to see, like, I know a lot of my friends and I think, again, this is a privilege that I have maybe because I go to MIT, but there's a lot of other friends who go to different schools that are not MIT, who just, their expectation is that they're going to graduate without having a job. Um, yeah. And yeah, I think, just think, I don't know, yeah, it's, it's just an unfortunate situation because of, it's like the entire world is going through this. But um, yeah, it also has made me think about prioritizing working at a company where they can, I even if something crazy, like ridiculous happens like this, like I know that my job will still be secure, <laughs> which is definitely yeah, something yeah. I wouldn't have considered before. Um, um, but yeah, it's really, yeah, it's really sad to see. And I've definitely, you know, tried to encourage them or like even a worse scenario is like one of my friends, he's a chemical engineering major, which I, and I know he's like worked so, so hard throughout his four years of college. But he just doesn't have any job offers right now. And he goes to, like, every career fair. You know, he, he shows up to everything. Um, and then he got, like, this one interview with this company. But then he looked up their location. And it's, like, in the middle of um, the Appalachian Forest. Like, it's, like, it's, like, <laughs> like because it's, like, oil refinery or something like that. Because he's a chemical engineer. And so... Yeah, his, like, dilemma is, like, he really doesn't... And, like, I, like, looked it up on Google Maps and, like, I zoomed in, and it's just all green. It's all green. <laughs> like, it's there's, like my house. <laughs> yeah, like, it's, yeah, like, the, it's like the factory <laughs> and then just, like, green, which is, I, yeah. I guess, signifies a forest. Then if you see Hans running around. I hope not. But, yeah, so, I mean, I, I, I can... <laughs> yeah, so I think that's been really tough like for, for me to see him going through that and other people going through that. Um, and I, I think overall that's changed a lot of people's perspectives on like what companies are valuable and what companies are, are good to work for. Um, yeah. Do you want to stay in um, Boston? Oh, that's a good question. I feel like all of that has also shifted because like work is remote now, like the right. kind of like seeing where I should go, like post-graduation, like what city I should move to. And for me, I think I want to stay on the East Coast because, like, I'm the only person in my family that's in the U.S. or that has been in the U.S. My my mom moved back to Korea, 
like when I came to MIT. So like I don't, and so because of that, my network is kind of restricted to like where I know other MIT friends are. And so that's generally like either San Francisco where there's a lot of tech jobs or like Boston or New York City. Um, and because I've never been to the West Coast, like I've never lived in the West Coast for an extended period of time. I think just, I don't know if it's because I'm scared or because I'm used to being here, but I would prefer, I like the East Coast, so I would prefer to be in Boston. I think the understanding I have is that it's hard to live in New York when you don't have as much money and it gets a lot more fun when you have a lot Definitely. of a lot of money. Yeah. So I think maybe that'll be a goal for me in the future. Uh, but I've actually never been to New York. Like I've never like, I've been there before, but I, I haven't like visited or anything. All right, so I don't know what it's like. Maybe it's cool. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it's cool. Yeah. I feel like people think it's pretty cool over there. It's, it's got a lot of hype. It's got yeah. a lot of clout. If you went to Penn, you would have been to New York City, just saying. But well, who's to say? I haven't, I went to New York once. That's in true. My, what, four years of being <laughs> Um, I remember, just while you were talking, I randomly remembered this one time. I don't know if you remember this, but I feel like this is kind of a funny story, so I'm going to tell it. Um, you texted me. I think last year or two years ago, completely out of the blue, I haven't, I hadn't heard from you in quite some time, and you, and I get this text, and you're like, hey, so I dropped out of MIT, and I was like, what? I was shocked. I was like, oh my gosh, like, Noah, really? And you were like, yeah, I don't know, I just felt like it wasn't for me, and like, I got this really good opportunity, I actually started this company, and I was like, oh, that's so believable, Noah would just like go and start a company, so you were explaining <laughs> your company, which I think was either something with food waste, or like recycling, something like that, something very environmentally conscious, and you went on for hours explaining to me this company that you were going to work for because you dropped out of MIT. The and I was like, doesn't remember. Yes, and I was telling just... you, I was like, Noah, what does your mom think of this? Like, how is she reacting? And I don't remember what you said to that. But then turns out you just decided to prank me one day and you were like, Alexandra, I was kidding the whole time. And I was oh. like, what? I don't know what to say about that. That's... Do you remember that? No, I don't. I do not. It was maximum two years ago. Wait, I feel like this could have been last year because I, I think feel it like was. I remember you telling me. I think it was in like, my apartment dude, down yeah, the street. Yeah, we were in your yeah. basement in like the kitchen. And you were like, Noah Lee dropped out of MIT. <laughs> and I'm like, hmm. and I showed you the messages. Wait, why do I remember this? He pranked me. He pranked he me He pranked good. himself because he doesn't remember. He chose Are you violence serious? that day. Yes. Wow. That day like, like, didn't exist for him. Like, he was no. like, going to come And it wasn't day, like, midnight, so it wasn't like a... A weird time it was like 6 p.m 6 p.m let me <laughs> let me prank my friend from high school and tell her that i dropped out the way you woke up and it's like it's like on your agenda it's like make bed meal prep run to trader joe's study prank alexandra collins from high school by telling her that i dropped out of mit to start a company <laughs> and it was so drive it on for hours tell her i'm joking i not talk to her for six more months I can't believe that I dragged it on for hours. That's Dude, just, it was like lots outrageous. of messages. You yeah, 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 yeah. laid this company out for me. Like he like filed a patent. And I was I was hyping you up. I was me? like, no, what? Actually, crazy. me? Yes. Is it the same was... number? Yeah. Yes. Yes. What? Same number. And I was like, I was going with it. I was like, you know what? MIT was a great opportunity, but I'm like really happy for you that you found this company, and I think you're really gonna do something like great with it. And you were like, yeah, I'm actually still in MIT. <laughs> I 
I don't know what to say about that. I wish I had been doing something more productive that day. No, you know what? I'm glad that you're still in MIT, and I'm very glad that you were able to come on and do this podcast, because it has been great to talk to you. Yeah, thanks for chatting with us. I feel like I... I think you were able to bring some value to the, you know, 20% demographics who has not applied to college yet, but also, like, there's bits and pieces that I think anybody at any life stage can take. We're getting more younger listeners, too. MVP seniors have infiltrated. Yeah. Um, Are there any closing remarks or anything? Um, If you want to plug your Instagram or Twitter or anything, you may do that. TikTok. Um, (laughs) Right, right, right. (laughs) That's a good call out. Um, no, nothing in particular. Thank you guys for having me. <laughs> no, don't even no. dare find me on social media. <laughs> no, no plugs, no plugs. Um, thank you guys for having me, though. It was great to catch up with you. It's been, yeah, time has passed. It's been a while since I've seen either of your faces um, or, or talked to you or done both at the same time. Right. So let alone both at the same time on a podcast. What a blessing for you. Good day for Noah. Oh my God. But yeah, I, th- I mean, I maybe my closing remark, I think it's really cool that the two of you are doing this. Maybe once I start listening to music again, um, or listening to podcasts, I, I don't know if that will happen, but I will take a listen. But yeah, I think it's really, really cool that this has continued and that you've stayed consistent with it. Um, I'm cheering you on. Through that. Thank you so, so much, for you. and thank you guys yeah. for listening. Um, if you don't already, follow us on Instagram at OMW the Podcast, and um, give us a five star rating and yes. review. Also, if you're listening to this on Tuesday, we have a giveaway going on with Alex Blom Creates from last week. So you guys loved her and her episode and her stuff, and we're actually giving away a crew neck and a T-shirt. So just go share the um, our last poster story and rate and review five stars that's not part of the giveaway but we really appreciate (laughs) it it. when people do that and (laughs) have an amazing week guys yeah bye bye guys bye